It's inflation day, ladies and gentlemen. The number came in a little bit lighter than expected on Wall Street, and it's sending stocks to the moon. You have the Dow right now up over 200 points, and it looks like the bulls are here to stay. Hi, well, welcome everyone to Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. And Toby, this was a number that we figured was going to come in light. We saw a headline number of 6.5%. The estimate was 6.6%. But I got to say, is this something that we really should be rallying on? Or is this going to be one of those moments where it's short-lived and maybe we might be regretting this buying right now? Yeah. Well, first off, shooting to the moon, 200 points, really? <laughs> Are you back on Fox News again? Come on. I'm uh, sensationalizing. Sensationalizing, dude. Um, you know, there was some interesting things here. Obviously, the market expected this. I mean, you know, you could have made the case that it was going to come in hot. So maybe people had shorted it, then they had to cover. But 200 points. Eh. Um, yeah, I think the, the bigger, you know, the bigger issue still is what came down was stuff that we already know came down. I mean, we've had a serious product deflation for the last six months. We've had, you know, oil prices go down from 110 bucks go down to, you know, what is 78 bucks today. So that's getting priced in, but that should be priced in. That's that's no big whoop. But if you dig into the numbers, shockingly, the service costs it didn't go down at all. Matter of fact, they went up. And right. the other side was that real estate shelter costs is interesting. The Fed actually knows that their data on housing is complete bullshit because it has such a, a long lag. So even the Fed came out today and said, okay, the shelter costs, remember they have this the concept that if I take my home that I own and I get a call and I say, well, what you could what could you rent it for? They compare that year over year, what they called you before. Therefore, you know, that that's shelter costs, right? Well, shelter costs, according to the, the Fed, didn't come down. But if you go to actually Zillow, you two the other people that actually do it, you know, take these prices on a day-to-day -day basis, rents yeah. did come down. So they actually raised their head and said, okay, forget that rental cost thing because it doesn't apply. But the services did not come down. They actually went up from 4.6 to 4.8. And services is where the inflation, as we've said, you know, forever is sticky. So yeah. I, again, this is sort of a, yeah, eh, eh. But what it does tell us is that the, the, if you look at the Fed futures, that instead of the 50 basis point rise in February, now the 25 basis points, one quarter of 1% is on the table. If we get that and we get follow up in February on year over year stuff, obviously it peaked, obviously products have come way down, obviously energy prices have come down, but we're a 72% you know, service economy. So yeah, it's service prices that are now the big, uh, big issue. Well, you had, you had food that actually creeped a little bit higher. Owner's equivalent rent of three-tenths of 1%. That's uh, You're talking about that shelter side. And you are right. When you look at the overall coast-to-coast -coast market right now, you're seeing those rents drop a little bit. But in that sample size that the federal government yeah. uses, where they're looking at 50,000 landlords and tenants, that's where they're coming up with that number of that slight increase. I think that's why when you look at it, it is a small sample size. And that, that's why traders are saying, look, you know what? This actually is trending in the right direction. Things are good. And maybe this will force the hand of Jerome Powell. However, with that said, I think it is that's that's the crap way of looking at things because I am not a believer that you're going to have just this one number which like you said is eh, you know it's hemming and hawing it's not that big of a deal it's a ho hum type of a data point is this enough to warrant a bull rally and I don't believe it is I think this is a market that is easy to it's tricky and it's a trap 
but I think people are going to get burned in the long run in this one. You know, I, 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 um, I, again, there is a, there are multiple mini bull markets within the bear market. That's sort of the business yeah. we're in is finding the, the bear, the bull markets within the bear. You know, our, we got back into oil here last week with sort of the $78 price and our oil stocks are crazy. Our energy trusts based on oil, like the Crude, Crudeau Bay Trust, very easy for me to say, BB, mm-hmm. you know, up six and a half percent. Yields are like 23%. So there, you know, I, I've said this all along that there are bull markets within this bear market. And, and then now China opening up and really opening up does add, you know, a new variable into the equation, certainly for energy. Natural gas, natural gas, hey man, we just shipped more natural gas to the EU than we created, you know, took it out of the ground in the last three years in the United States, okay? So yeah. we had a whole bunch of reserves out. We shipped that stuff out. Uh, we just flipped long natural gas a little bit this morning because, you know, the weather's been crazy warm. And now it's going to be crazy cold, cold again in the end. You know, don't, don't, you know, don't worry about Buffalo, uh, you know, losing your ice and snow, Todd. <laughs> I know the high is only going to be in the twenties next week. It's going to be right, right. And I, I got a text from a friend who's you know on a cruise in, oh. in like the Rhine River, and and he's saying, dude, it's like sixty degrees here. It's supposed to be winter. It's supposed to be a winter trip we're on. So you know, those are those are ad hoc things that happen. But um, right, you know, at the end of the day, Todd, because there's so many variables, I, I say there's more. There's more macroeconomic threads than a Harris tweed suit, okay? Uh, <laughs> not that you know what that is, but uh, maybe in Buffalo you know what that is. With the, uh, with the elbow, elbow on. Elbow, that. exactly. exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. Good. Um, so then we just got to go to the technicals, you know? If, 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 if the S&P could get over 4,100 and stay over there on, you know, on good volume, above average volume, then you can start to make the case that concept that the Fed is going to start to reduce rates, then they're going to hold them. And now the argument becomes, well, are they going to hold them and then then start cutting, you know, when we start to see unemployment spike, hopefully, because if we don't see service unemployment spike, we're never going to get out of this thing. Are they going to then, you know, say, oh, no, 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 we got to quit, we got to stop. No, they're not going to do that. Jeremy has made it, or I call him Jay Powell. Jay Powell has made it very clear. He does not want to go out in history as the guy who effed up inflation, because he already effed it up once. I mean, yeah. transitory was probably the second dumbest thing the Fed has ever done in their history. He does not want to go down as being number one and number two of the dumbest things the Fed ever did. So they're going to they're going to hang on. And anybody who doesn't understand it, I, I don't think actually reads the newspaper or looks in his eyes when he you know speaks. So let's assume that we're going to be at this you know five percent all the way into t- 2024. Where the the product prices are going down. If you look at the difference in supply chains, Todd, oh my God, this time last year, oh yeah, a container was going for like you know twenty eight thousand dollars a container and like forty two thousand for the big ones. Now they're down to thirty six hundred bucks and five thousand for the big containers, right? So those prices, you know, are, are, are all those products are coming down. You know, retail has more stuff, as you've talked about forever, that, that they can sell. So they're cutting prices. So product prices are coming down. It's just that products other than eggs uh, are, are not yeah. uh, you know, a big part of our daily consumption here. So nothing to get really excited about, except if you look into the, the you know, the, the bull markets within the bear. And, and, you know, I think we're up 
like 16% this year based on being about 65% in cash and the rest in uh, energy tankers, just the energy trust, blah, 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 big high dividend. And, and we're getting ready to put out in our newsletter, some of these preferred stocks are paying ridiculous yields. So there's yeah. stuff to buy and make money and not lose money, but you, you can't just buy the, you know, the indexes, that's for sure. Well, listeners and viewers of Buy, Hold, Sell, and, and clearly the ones that are subscribing to the Transformity Research Newsletter are already aware of our stance on the markets because I do think that when you talk and you hear from some of these analysts when they start thinking, oh, today's report is going to be the uh, is going to be the signal to have the Fed uh, just hike by 25 basis points. I think it's a bunch of BS and it's dangerous because you have so many retail and individual investors that are saying, okay, yeah, I guess we're, we're through the, uh, the peak inflation period. Everything's going to look rosy for the rest of the year. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way. Here's the thing that concerns me, Toby. When I look at, you look at the numbers from the tech sector, the amount of layoffs, Goldman yeah. Sachs coming out there uh, this week, uh, firing over 3,000 employees. Even and their the US, stock went up though, Todd. We actually yeah, traded that. It, it's a cut in, yeah, because of this, the uh, cut That's in expenses. Three and a half billion cost. dollars of overhead. You cut 3,200 yeah. people, you cut $3 billion of, of, of uh, compensation. I mean, that, yeah. and that all goes to the bottom line. So I'm sorry. I didn't and, mean no, no, don't, don't worry about it. But yeah, you're right, because even even uh, uh, Goldman, they cut their, uh, their coffee um, expenses and then they end up firing over 3,000. Yeah, they were clearly saving money, and that bottom line is looking a little bit healthier. But even the U.S. Post Office, they're closing 50 of their locations. People there, which you thought was going to be a permanent job for the rest of your life, they're losing their jobs. So oh, they, it's, got, they got a pension, Todd. They got a government pension. <laughs> Come on, man. But here's the thing. What, but you know as well as I do, Toby. Yeah. You've been around a long time around this Wall Street uh, talk, and you got to know that when you start having businesses and companies and businesses falling and failing and companies um, falling down where, where they're sending their labor force out the door, that is not a bullish signal, especially for the U.S. economy. Now, is that a bullish signal for markets? Well, you know as well as I do, short term, it's not. Yeah. Maybe in the second half of the year, it's okay. But it's a sucker's rally of anything if you're invested ooh, in this market ooh, right sucker's now. Sucker's rally. Yeah, well, you like uh, that. I found that me, in the uh, thesaurus there. Yeah, you looked that up. Encyclopedia. <laughs> Uh, all right, there's so many things I could have said there, and I just edited myself. You know. Uh, well, first off, let's never confuse the actual real economy with the stock market. These are two completely different things. Every once in a while, you know, they coalesce and they actually mean something to each other. But don't confuse the economy. The other thing is, I'm going to hold this up. I, I don't know if you'll be able to read it or not. Oh, you got the newspaper. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's blurring it out. Oh, that's funny. It doesn't blur it out here. Okay. These are the new highs and new lows from yesterday, 52 weeks. I have followed these for longer than you've been alive. And I, I will tell you that this is a bullish signal. Uh, in, in the last, in 2010, one of the ways we were able to call the bottom of the market, not the economy, the market, was it, it looked just like this. There's only like, you know, 25 new lows, 52-week lows. And there's not a huge amount, but there's five times, 5x more uh, new highs. Now, what Fs this up is that a significant number here are the SPACs that are trading at a, a $10. So if they go to $10.01, that's a new 52-week high, right? Right. So right. you got to take the SPACs out, and we are taking the SPAC number out here. But this is encouraging. Regardless, I almost said irregardless, by the way, you could have slapped me from <laughs> my, my fifth grade English teachers turn over to Greg. Um, the, 
this is starting to be bullish, but you got to pull the SPACs out because they don't count. Uh, that's okay. an interesting thing uh, I found. Okay, I like it. I like it. Well, listen, coming up, let's let's end it there on this one, Toby, because yeah. there is still a lot of market action here, and we are coming to everybody here, all of our buy, hold, sell listeners and viewers. We uh we we're bringing back the videos right now, the vodcast as they call them. So you can find us uh, on video on, on YouTube, the Buy, Hold, Sell channel on YouTube right now. So uh, that's going to be fantastic. And um, so we are coming to you as the market is um, is uh, still um, still trading, obviously. So we'll give you uh, live updates as we proceed here. But uh, but with that said, coming up after the break, Toby, we got earnings season kicking off tomorrow. I really want to get your thoughts on that. What investors should expect? We have Mitch Rochelle, who's going to be joining us for tomorrow's show um, right there because it's day one of earnings season. It's going to be yeah. really all eyes are going to be on that. I'm going to be anxious to get his thoughts because you know how he is. He ties into the political argument a little bit. But, uh, but we'll get to that right after the break. So please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American Maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with the sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Natalie Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. 
I'll also be sharing Business Bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Welcome back, everyone, on this inflation day. The pie holds sell. We right now, as we're coming to you, the Dow is up over 200 points. Seems that the bulls love the news. However, if you're looking at a year over year, six and a half percent is still high inflation. Toby, we've been talking in the last block about really trying to break down the the uh, CPI report that came out this morning, and then we also have to get ready for the earnings season coming coming up. Tomorrow, we have some big names. we got Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Delta Airlines is coming out, Wells Fargo. All the big financials are coming out. This is clearly going to move the needle for the market. So here you had a Dow that was up big yesterday. You have it up big today. Do you think this bull rally is going to stick? First up, 200 points in a Dow is not up big, okay? I know in Schoenberger language, 200 points is gigantic. It's unbelievable. I've never seen it's, anything like this. It's huge. We're going yeah, to the moon. Huge. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. But uh, uh, it's no one feels a rush to buy anything. Uh, and, uh, if, and many people have already sold. I mean, here's one of the things that people keep asking me, which is, you know, this VIX, which manage, which measures fear in the market. Why is the VIX didn't why it didn't hit 40 or 45 when everything was you know going to hell in a handbasket? And the answer is because a lot of people who buy those those put options, call options are 60, 70 percent in cash. They don't need to hedge their portfolio because they've, they've hedged it with cash. So forget about the VIX here, because that doesn't tell us anything. What we're seeing, though, is if you look at the financials, because they're always the ones that come out because they're regulated industries, they hit a button, they can tell you what they made. The spread, what we're looking for is how much they're, they're paying on their certificates of deposit or for their, for their money and, and how much they're getting for it. And then we're looking at, um, at failures, in other words, where you have people who quit or, or stopped paying or gone bankrupt, so on and so forth. That's going to be interesting because that that really tells you what the real economy is doing, not the you know stock market economy. Um, for the big banks, you know Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and people who trade a huge amount of stocks, so on and so forth. Somebody made a lot of money <laughs> when things were going down. Yeah. So you know I think their trading numbers are going to be pr- pretty fine. But again, they're they're a small part of what the overall real economy is. So I don't think we're going to get much of a glimpse, is what I'm trying to say, uh, just from this week. The bigger issue is, yeah, if you cut all these jobs, their overhead's going to go down like crazy, and yeah, yeah they're probably going to be more profitable. Um, if we get, you know, if if the Fed is done and the market has processed all of this stuff and says, okay, look, if we want to start buying stocks again, then those stocks are going to go up. Right. And especially this week, you had the Goldman cuts taking place. And that's clearly to me, I think that's because when they go out and then they have their announcement with the analysts after the earnings release tomorrow, then they need to say, OK, tough quarter. But going forward, we were able to cut you know, yeah. X, Y, Z. And as a result, we do expect a better quarter going forward. But uh, Goldman's vulnerability really is on that retail side. You and I have talked about their yeah market savings account, which uh, pays quite well, actually. It's over 3% on the savings rate, which is very decent. But the, the thing about it is that it's it's not one of those impactful 
type of uh, yeah. retail operations, and it's really a big drag on their earnings. So I think a lot well, of their, off, their labor off, cuts. They, they call it Marcus, you know, and then look underneath by Goldman Sachs. Right. If anybody's impressed by the name of Goldman Sachs, would you call it Goldman Sachs? You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't get that part. But man, it, the startup costs were gigantic. I don't know why they just didn't buy somebody. Why they had to, you know, start it from scratch. And yeah, it's it's a failure. And I, according to the data today, out of the news, that you know the largest amount of job cuts were in Marcus. They even had Patrick Cantley, one of my favorite golfers, who was endorsing it. And then he doesn't even endorse it anymore, man. He finally said, "Okay, I, I can't do that." So. Yeah, right. I mean, you got to keep getting paid for that, too. That yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we'll see. Toby, let's do a buy, hold, sell, because this is something that we do on the show. As you know, our listeners on the Evergreen Podcast Network know that we do this. Now on the video side, on the actual television show, this is a segment that, that we've always done. So let's just do it right here, mid-segment. What's your buy, hold, sell right now? Let's make some money. All right. Well, here's what's interesting. You know, the, the dollar is coming down. About, remember the dollar, you know, went like a Viagra, like a chart, I like to call it. And now it's, you know, and now it's peaked and coming down. And when the dollar goes down in value, a couple of things happen. Uh, number one, Europe does better. And interestingly, with this warm weather, as I alluded to, guys drinking Mai Tais on a freaking Rhine River in, December, you know, in January, I can't believe it. But uh, we're buying the, the stocks, STOX, because okay. it's been so ambushed. It's been so crushed, number one. Number two, European stock indexes are value indexes. I mean, their banks sell for one times earnings. You know, the industrial companies sell for four or five times earnings. Well, and they also pay dividends. So actually, Europe, with the dollar coming down in value, which means that it's now they're able to export more stuff and get higher profits, that helps them. So STOX, I I, I think that, I mean, first off, the, the German DAX and the, the French index are up about 11% this year. Well, we're up about 3%. So it's only okay. been 24 years since the Europe indexes did better than the United States. This is the year it's going to happen. So you should own, I'd say, in your uh, equity, 5 to 8% in either the DAX, Germany. God bless the Germans. You know, they, 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 yeah. Now that they got the natural gas prices down, uh, now it's only the UK who's getting hosed. Um, and uh, so I'm either owning the DAX or the stocks, STOX. Fantastic. I love that one. That's a great pick. All right. I'll tell you what my buy is right now. It's going to be Disney. Disney came out with a new chairman of the board yesterday, and the stock is up 4% today, even yeah. though you're talking about the Dow not being up big. And you're right, it's only up 50 basis points. But the, but Disney is leading all performance right now. And i got to say, this is a company that continues to excel. But the big story about Disney that I don't think got a lot of play was we had an analyst, that was, there was an analyst on Bloomberg this morning, actually saying that Disney could be a potential takeover target by Apple. Can you imagine? What? Yeah, because then they felt that regulators would actually say to Apple, look, you can't have exclusivity here within Disney. But it was such a great fit. And the feeling is, is mutual, apparently, that Disney and Apple both feel that way. And I think they're just trying to still get out of the Apple still trying to get away from, um, you know, from the Steve Jobs um, uh, aura of the company. But uh, if they can get over that, they definitely will be uh, be looking at a possible potential target in uh, Disney. And that's why the stock's up super big today. Yeah. So I love that. Well, Disney, I mean, Disney is very intriguing. By bringing back uh, Iger, uh, they you know raised the flag and said, OK, we upped up, uh, number one. Number two, um, they're an intellectual property business. Apple's an intellectual property business. Apple does make stuff. Disney does make stuff. Adding Disney Plus together with Apple Plus is a no-brainer. Uh, yeah. Because everybody needs to consolidate. I, I don't know. 
I was just at a friend's house and he said, well, my kids, I knocked them off of my Netflix at my Disney Plus. You know, they've been stealing all the content for, I don't know, you know, ever since the uh, pandemic started. And and now obviously now Netflix is saying eh, eh, and Prime is saying eh, eh, and, and Disney's saying eh, eh. so maybe maybe that makes sense. I, I don't I don't know. I mean I, I would spin off the 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 actual Disney parks. I would make that into yeah. a separate thing because you know that that's that's highly cyclical. Whereas the IP stuff is not cyclical. And if you know, my lord, if you get that into Apple, my gosh, you would you, Apple would just you know, be a juggernaut. So well, here, I, like here's my, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see that too. And here's the other side of it too, is that, is that you have DeSantis in Florida who is really focused on, uh, on in that area of Orlando and Kissimmee. Yeah. Not sure if, if the listeners and viewers know this, but back when Walt Disney, he started Disneyland first and his biggest complaint was that he didn't have the land that was actually surrounding the Disneyland park. So he had a lot of hotels, a lot of you know, strip malls, yeah. things like that. And he thought that from the beautification of it, it really it really took away. So what he did was he went into Orlando in that area and he, he lobbied up in Tallahassee saying, look, give me this land. I'll yeah. come up with my own police force, my own fire department, the whole thing. And that's what they've done. But as a result, they're not paying taxes and state taxes in that area, that property tax bill. And it's just continuing to be exempt. And I think DeSantis is going after them for that. There's a guy that's going to be interesting because that will go to Florida Supreme Court. It'll be, be very interesting how this plays out. Now, if Disney loses that right to have that land there, mm-hmm. now they're part of Florida, then you can start seeing, okay, we, they're corporate. Let's start looking at a merger here. Might yeah. be a couple of years away, but it looks like Apple will be the number one uh, uh, company to partner with. Well, that would be... Uh... That would be intriguing. Obviously, uh, with today's environment for mergers, uh, that may be an issue. But honestly, you know, they're not taking over anything, you know, beyond, you know, the 12 or 14 percent penetration the app already has. Um, Yeah. I'd love that. All right. Here's another one. Tell me. Because of deflation. Remember, we have product deflation. Believe it or not, my much hated Bitcoin world, Bitcoin (laughs) does very well. Uh, it does its best when the dollar's going down and when there's deflation. And the miners who've just been crushed, the Bitcoin miners, I like this M-A-R-A, Mara. They have the lowest cost of electricity. Bitcoin was down to like 13000 14000 It's now $19,000 in change. It's actually up more than the index is are this year. Yeah. And regardless of whether you hate Bitcoin or love Bitcoin, the miners at this point, because of this 20% move up, that means they're going to make 20% more profit. They have a break-even, and Mara's break-even is the lowest break-even I've been able to find in the Mara. So I'm buying them, M-A-R-A, purely because disinflation other than in service is happening. And that is, you know, that's what, where Bitcoin does well. So for a moment, for a trade, I like Bitcoin and I like Mara. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, and I'll give you my hold here. And I talked about it on the yeah. last show with Southwest Airlines. Uh, Southwest continues to see bookings uh, increase after their whole debacle with their technology. And then just this week, we had the issue with the FAA yesterday having the ground flights, but they were just like clockwork. I mean, in six hours, everything was back to normal, even with all of the delays. Uh, my, my son, he had to fly out to Philadelphia, he had an official visit for, for a school there for lacrosse. And he went out this morning on Southwest. I said, how'd it go? He said, piece of cake weren't any issues whatsoever. And he had to check his uh, long stick there. 
and there weren't any issues. So he's he's feeling great. And I took that. I said, okay, you're you're going to be my sample size then for the show. Oh, so I love that. Size of one. Sample size of one. It's my son. And I got to say, right now I'm sticking with with Southwest. I still like that pick. The stock today is up over three percent. It's rallying. It's doing quite so well. It's are actually leading all more Or you're holding what you own. I would hold what I own. I would buy more. And I'll tell you why. Because I know some analysts out there would say that during the first half of the year is probably the time to stay away from airlines. I don't see it that way. I actually think this is the right time to actually start buying into these airlines right now. Southwest does an extremely nice job of, he- of hedging on the when there's higher oil. That does yeah. help their bottom line. They seem to be, from a competitive standpoint, seem to play the oil trade better than anybody else in that sector. Uh, as a result, mm-hmm. I have to think that that's going to be one. And I think we'll see it tomorrow. When Delta reports tomorrow, if Delta has a nice number, if it's a beat, that's going to help the entire sector as well. You're just going to see further upside for Southwest. Yeah. I think Delta does beat, and I think that's going to be a um, just an ancillary benefit for well, those Delta, shareholders. You know, I remember Delta flies all over the world, and uh, yeah. out of Atlanta, <clears throat> they have more flights to Europe. Europe's had the largest year-over-year gain with Amerikanskis coming over there because our dollar's been so rich. It's still a dollar seven on a euro. Last time I was in Europe, the euro was a dollar twenty-five. So yeah, people are buying houses in Italy, man. Americans are over buying houses in Italy for seventy grand that are like you know eight eight rooms and a view of the yeah. You know, I mean, so yeah, I, I I we're getting back to normal, and and part of normal is flight travel. I, I've been on I'm Southwest three times in the last three four weeks. It's really a piece of cake. Um, yeah. And I'm not, you know, look, I'm sure there's people who have PTSD from freaking a week ago that, that swore they'll never be on Southwest. But to your point, uh, you want to go from Phoenix to Oakland? <laughs> there's only yeah. Southwest. You want to go to San Jose? You want to go to Portland? I mean, every, almost every route they have out of our Phoenix area, Southwest is the only way you can get there. So yeah, definitely the only way. Yeah. And that's an easy one. Do you have a sell this week, Toby? Well, um, if you haven't sold natural gas, because we we sort of said a couple of weeks ago that you know we were we were getting to this point where there's too much, and obviously Europe the gas price natural gas prices have dropped literally 70, 80 percent. I'm selling uh, I'm selling Chesapeake CHK uh, now simply because we sort of held it too long. They're going to bottom here, uh, but it's just too early. It's like one of those things. It's too early to buy. Maybe it's too late to sell. But take some cash if you if you bought it, you know, when we recommended six months ago, it's up and still up in value. I, I'm getting light net gas, letting them, you know, sort of people take tax losses after the first of the year. And then we're going to see in the back half of this year, as we talked about weather wise, we got big cold weather coming in um, and that will help net gas. So it's a it's a trade that I want to make. OK, now I'm going to give you my sell and I know you're not going to like it because it's a repeat performer here. It can't be reason- target. It cannot it's be target. target. It's target. It's target. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, though. I have to tell you this. So in New York, I heard this from a local reporter, and I was able to confirm this through uh, through other means as well. But Brian Cornell is actually doing a road show. He's going to a bunch of different targets around the country. And you know what they're going to do, Toby? When what? the earnings come out, when the earnings come out, they're going to be so bad. Because remember, Macy's just last week warned that they are in dire straits now yeah. because – the shopping season was awful. Yeah. Target, I can't imagine how bad it's going to be. But they're going to list all the stores that this guy went to. And they're going to he's going to make it out to be that he's got boots on the ground. He's looking to see what's going on and what's wrong. 
But we already know what's wrong with Target right now. And it's probably the management. So just going around the different stores, so it's some dog and pony symbolic show, so people uh-huh. can take some pictures that you can put in a newsletter. I tell you, or in the news release, I'm telling you, this is right now, this is a sign that their earnings are going to be horrible. Their fiscal year ends January 31st. Earnings don't come out until the first week of March. But this is a company, if you haven't sold it yet, and if you have any, if you have any chance to get out of it, get out <laughs> of it now, because this company is going to just continue to drop. Stocks already was, was already down over 30% last year. This year, it hasn't started off well. So when I look at that, and I have to think that if you've got the CEO that has to go to different retail operations to tell everybody that this is what he's doing, to try to, you know, he's a man of the people, he's going to yeah, actually see what's happening. Truth. Yeah, I just can't see it happening. I think that has got to be a bearish sign because I don't see Jamie Dimon going to a bunch of Chase banks right now saying, hey, guys, how's it going? He doesn't, he already knows that they're operating fine. He already has quality management. Target does not as a retail operation. I think they're in big, big trouble. All I see is a gigantic horse behind you that you've just beat to death for six months, Todd, okay? I I know, but I got to tell you, I won't bring it up again, but when I'm right, I'll let you tell me and tell everybody else. Okay. So Target (laughs) is still going down. Now, retail is, overall retail, as you say, Macy's, other than Costco and, you know, Big Sam's or whatever it is, uh, the discount guys. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they're they are they have big problems and and the and the quarter is going to be ugly. The question is is it already priced in? I would say that it's already priced in Todd. When you look at the valuation, it's almost so forth. But the thing I'd be looking for is are they going to shut stores because they are right. overstored in many parts right. of the United States, and that's a whole another issue. I mean, when you start closing stores now, now you're saying, I mean, Nordstrom's Nordstrom's you know is closing. I believe they've closed almost 20% of their, certainly the mall stores. Target being standalone, you know, was always an anchor for a shopping center. I don't know exactly uh, how you close a Target. I'll tell you, if you close the Target up the street from us, there's like 25 other retailers are going to go out of business. So, well, yeah, that's the or thing. Or somebody though, goes in that- and takes them over. But there are some standalone targets that are not anchored to any type of strip mall. Now, whereas you look at a Walmart, Walmart actually owns the entire strip mall. They'll own that entire complex and then they're picking up lease money off of that. And I'm sure Target has similar uh, relationships, but there are some that are standalone. And I think that, yeah, you are going to have a a closing. Uh, You're going to have a number of those stores that are going to shut down and, um, and we'll see, you know, time will tell, but I just don't think that if the CEO is flying out of Minnesota and going around to different stores right now, I see that as a, I see that as a red flag. Dana Telsey, who's a retail expert, she was on Goldman Sachs, on Bloomberg, I'm sorry, this yeah. morning. And she was talking about how the retailers are struggling. She mentioned some names like a TJ Maxx, uh, seems like a good one, Abercrombie, she likes. You know, those are some, so those seem to be like the offset ones. I just don't, I mean, when you have these big box stores like this, um, I think I'd say, um, you know, unless you're dying, you're, you're really drilling down on a specific type of clothing or a specific uh, demographic, but I don't know, the bigger stores seem to be the ones that are struggling. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Last time I ever hear the word Target. Okay, just- You're not going to hear from me ever again. Six month, a six month moratorium on Target. Uh, I will say this, I walked by a five below store uh, a couple days ago and, um, you know, everything's five bucks and below. It was reasonably packed and the, the, the stock has actually hit a 52 week high. It's aimed at, you know, uh, 
uh, Gen Z and under type of stuff, but it's five bucks. And I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at that again because th their model is they just cram their store with all this five below stuff and young people go in and buy a bunch and uh, they, you know they get gift certificates from their mom and dad and grandma and so on and so forth. So that's one retailer I'm, I'm looking at, not ready to put a buy on it yet, but they are unique. That's for sure. They are. And it's a, actually, a, it's a unique um, proposition because they are really following the the Dollar Tree type of model where everything would be under a buck. Here, they're $5 and under. And yeah. yeah, they seem to be, they have a niche market. The other side of it too, if you ever go into a five below, I've been into one a, a few times. The lights are bright. The music's great. They got yeah. you know, that, that disco music going on. It's alive. You're feeling the energy in the place. You go to some of these other stores, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm at a funeral parlor. I don't know what's yeah. going on. So yeah, yeah, you feel a little bit more energetic. You're willing to spend money in a happy place like that. I agree with you. I think that could be something we could well, we could take and, a look at and shows to come. Let's bear in mind that anyone who's actually a customer there, other than us, has no idea what you just said about disco music. There's no <laughs> disco music there, okay? Oh my lord, what what planet do you live on? Do you ever get out of? Uh, no, no, I never get out. Do no, you ever I get never, out never of, of uh, Buffalo? Oh, never get out. No, oh, I'm busy, busy is, editing all day long. That is I know. sad, sad, sad. <laughs> that is sad, sad, sad. Hey, Absolutely. also, by the way, gold and silver, GLD and SLVO, which I uh, going uh, up, yeah. going up. It's the same Woo! thing. It's because the dollar's going down. That means you can buy, you know, gold and silver's worth more. You can buy more of it with it because it trades in dollars. And I like this, this SLVO, which is basically a ETF that that owns and sells future contracts. I'm going to get too complicated, but it generates a very high income. Like it's generating about a 30% income by selling uh, call options against what, what they own, right? It goes uh, ex-dividend on the 18th of January. So you need to buy it on the 17th. But what we do with it, and we also do this with USOI, which is the oil, the same idea where they're selling call options against the futures. They're both doing like 30% yield. And what we do yeah. is we buy them on the 17th. So you get the, the dividend. We hold them to. So here's how it works. You're buying the 17th. The ex-dividend date is the 18th, meaning that people who buy that day don't get the dividend. The record date, the date of record, which means you have to own it to get it, is only two days later. So for a sort of three days, and you're talking about a dollar to two dollars of dividend per month out of these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's if you're an income type person, now is a great time to play this. We did a when the dollar was you know crashing. God, we did fantastically well last year in this in the you know the sort of the January, February, March, April time, and then the dollar you know peaked at the bottom or bottomed, and then started going up when the Fed started cutting rates. With the with the Fed essentially within 25, 50 basis points of the top part of their range, the dollar will come down in value because people don't you know they're waiting for interest rates to come down before European uh, buyers buy the dollar. They buy the dollar because they can't buy our Treasury bonds with anything other than the dollar. So that put, that's what jacks the the, the price up. So. I love yeah. it. And I'm talking about 30% yields. They pay monthly. So they're yeah. doing about two and a half percent a month. And that's, you know, you put that in an IRA or in a uh, in your um, Roth account. Re and that it's just it's, it's sort of free money. So I love those. And, and the well, dollars continue to go down here. And that's good also for the U.S. stock market, because now companies that sell abroad, they're, yeah. you know, they've been getting their margin squeezed because when you converted the low euro or the low U.K. pound sterling into U.S. dollars, their profit margin went down. And now we're reversing, which is another 
reason to you know to see a bottoming in U.S. stocks. I'll shut up now. No, what Toby? This is why your newsletters do so well, and why your why your subscribers do so well. Because you just announced the secret sauce on how to trade gold. Because it used to be the traditional way was when you had higher inflation, that was the time to actually look at something tangible like gold. But right. now the secret sauce that Wall Street traders aren't going to publicly tell you is that it's really correlated to the U.S. dollar. So as the dollar drops, you see things like precious metals go higher. And that's why those investments are doing well. And yeah, that's something that I know a lot of, uh, of you know, analysts, they're, they're not going to be publicly disclosing because they want to keep the public in the dark. So good for you. I'm glad you did that because I know well, I mean, our listeners and viewers will, yeah, will get a lot whole, out of it. Yeah, the whole gold bug thing in the, in the 70s, late 70s, et cetera, was inflation, right? You know, you had a fixed amount of gold and, you know, you had money printing all that stuff. Well, it hasn't held up very well in this very high inflation because there's much different dynamics going on. Uh, and, and and so, you know, that, that certainly makes sense. But it's not an inflation hedge. It's actually now the reverse. It's actually yeah. as interest rates come down and inflation is dropping, the value of the dollar goes down, that goes up. So, you know, stuff... When, when, when the, you know, when the rules change, you got to change with it. And I'm sure there's some still 95 year old guys who are buying gold bullion and, you know, they're putting it in their, in their downstairs because <laughs> they, because they think all the, you know, all the currencies are going to hell in a handbasket. But yeah. Uh, in yeah. the next six to seven months, I wouldn't worry about it. All right. Yeah. Good. That's definitely a good call. No doubt about it. All right, Toby, well, we're going to wrap it up there because tomorrow's show, we're going to go over everything with the earnings. We have big names that are coming out tomorrow morning. JP Morgan leads it off at 7 a.m. New York time, along with Wells Fargo at 7. So we're going to see some big names coming out all day long. We're going to talk all about it. It's going to really, it's going to be electric because the, the stock market is going to, it's going to be electric stock markets. The needle will be moving in one direction or the other, but we'll break it down for everybody tomorrow. And we have Mitch Rochelle, who's going to be joining us for the show. Really anxious to get his thoughts. I know he has a lot to say. He's foaming at the mouth just getting ready to get on this show. So I know he's very excited. So, Toby, so that the, any last thoughts? Any final words for anybody? Well, I'd say, the, you know, the final words is, is that we are getting closer to a bottom. We have to get through the this quarterly earnings time and get the forecasts. And when we get that, then we can sort of extrapolate that for the rest of the year. So, you know, we're nibbling on stuff. We're, we're down to 60% cash. You know, the, the, the bull market within the bear market is, is, is still doing well. So uh, you can Fantastic. make money. You just, you just can't throw darts. That's all I'm saying. There you go. That's right. And that's why you deal with a professional, like a professional is a transformative research. No doubt about that. Thank you all right, for that Toby. Yeah, there you go. All right. So on behalf of Tobin Smith, I'm Todd Schoenberger. Thanks again for joining us for Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll see you next time. Take care. Ciao, Bella. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.